Welcome to Chatterbox Bearcats, everyone, with Chuck and Houdini. TCU, 75. Cincinnati, wait for it, 57. The Bearcats get absolutely destroyed. Their largest loss of the season, 18 points. And I hate to do it. Oh, no! We suck again! One more time, Houdini. Oh, no! We suck again! We thought this team was competitive. Maybe not. Where do we stand right now with the Cincinnati Bearcats? Look at it from a standpoint of, you know, coming into the year. I think uh, that, that BYU win early kind of changed the tune of what we what we thought this season was going to be. Um, losing a TCU on the road, it's nothing to be ashamed of. But that, that performance we put together, I mean, they quit. They, they quit in that second half. Um, typically, they make those shots just to keep it close, you know, keep it under 10. That was not the case, man. They they got smoked. They got ran out of the gym. And there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. This season's over. You said it last week. We're done. Now we're going to be fighting for a three seed in the NIT. That, that's, that's our ceiling at this point, which is it's sad to even say. 98.9% is the number. The, the Chuck metrics that this season is over and that Cincinnati will miss the NCAA tournament for the third straight season under Wes Miller. We've seen crazier things. I mean, hell, the Georgetown Hoyas won like four games a few years back and then rattled off four in a row to win the Big East tournament. I think Georgia Tech did the same thing that season. So there has been more wild things in conference tournament play. Plus, Cincinnati can win out their remainder of the games. Uh, Granted, that would be at Oklahoma. It would be Houston. It'd be home games against West Virginia and Kansas State. None of those at this point seem easy. None of those seem easy. And then you probably got to win one in the, the Big 12 tournament. But it's 98.9% over, and quite frankly, we'll just round it up. It's done. You're right. NIT Bearcats. And there's some friendly fire going on right now between UC fans. And I don't think there's anyone that's caught in the middle except for maybe my co-host, Houdini. He's caught in the middle. He doesn't know which way to go. I'm on this side saying, pitchforks! Pitchforks now! I've seen enough. And then there's, there's another side of the UC fan base that's saying... Wes is our guy. You can't question him. You're an absolute idiot. You don't know ball. He inherited a really tough situation. You got to give him seven years. Where do you stand right now after this one, Houdini? You just got to look at it from a a non, it's impossible to do, from a non-biased standpoint. So Wes Miller took over his first year. I think he had two months in the recruiting cycle to even get players on the roster. If you recall, the only kid we had was, uh, what the hell was his name? The, from Liberty that was supposed to be the, you know, the guy. Bryson Spell, who, by the way, Bryson Spell, who John Brandon was bringing in, along with Victor Locken and Micah Adams-Woods, that was it. And I think DeJulius was still on the roster. Bryson Spell's averaging less than one point per game in Liberty and now his second season. So that's what was coming to Cincinnati. Right. So you, you got to look at it through that lens. He literally didn't even have a roster when he took over. Okay, so I, I look at this as really his second year. And the trajectory is, is going up. This team last year would have been absolutely annihilated in the Big 12. Well, we don't win. We don't win at Texas Tech. We don't win at BYU. We don't win those games with, with this roster last year. We're moving in the right direction. It's not – this isn't 2002 anymore, man. Like, I think people are stuck on, like, well, Bob Huggins, we had Kenyon Martin, you know, holy shit. 2002, let's just talk 2019, brother. 2019, we've been to the tournament. It was it was a cakewalk to get to the NCAA tournament. We were pissed off if we were a seven seed or an eight seed. Sure, but 
but you're looking at a program that was taken over similarly to what Mick Cronin took over. Like it was a dumpster fire. Our boy uh, Rothstein said it's the the lowest the program has ever been, which I think that was a little bit ridiculous. Chill out, John. Um, but he, he didn't take over. It, it, I know you had mentioned in a personal text like Pastner that uh, was coaching at Memphis. And you're like, this is the this is a very similar scene. This is the young coach that's a stud. He took over after Calipari was at Memphis. Okay, these are not the same thing. We're in the we're heading in the right direction. Okay, and I think next year is going to be a, a tell all. If if we can't figure it out next year, then I think we start to worry about the coach. Obviously, he's done shit that we've been we've said it all year. We we don't know. He takes guys out after they're going on a run. They're they're hockey hot. lineups. It's just bizarre, his his substitutions. All of a sudden, Victor Lockins playing again. He didn't play for two straight games for some reason. He he has his faults, there's no question. But I still think, trajectory-wise, I like the, the young guys on this roster. And I like the recruits coming in. We'll see next year. I'm not ready to, to, to pull the plug on Wes Miller. One of the oldest teams in America, with fifth years galore is getting shellacked by 18 points and has dropped to 5-9 and nine in the Big 12. Houdini wants to give him a free pass. He says it's not 2002 anymore. We shouldn't expect greatness at Cincinnati because apparently we're freaking Wake Forest, who, by the way, won against Duke today, and they're probably taking a spot in the NCAA tournament, another spot that um, kind of pushes Cincinnati down the list. But at this point, I don't even know if Cincinnati is going to be next four out unless they could somehow take down Houston, because as of right now, there's just not enough games left to pick up the quality wins that they need or just the quota that they need, because 8-10 and is not going to get you in. They'd need 9 or a big-time run in the conference tournament. So let's break this down year by year. Year 1, it was the UNCG Bearcats. You're right. There was not much Wes Miller could do. He retained the Mike Saunders. He retained... Mason Madsen, who Bearcats fans wanted back. He retained, you know, Davenport and a few of those other players. Only lost Tari Eason, really. So it was the UNCG Bearcats. Clearly underestimated what it took to win in the uh, AAC, unless there was literally no one else he could have gotten because he brought over the Hensleys and the A.J. McGinnises and the Hayden Kovals and just some players that clearly couldn't play at that level. That team fell apart. They lost seven of their last eight games. They weren't very good. Okay, whatever. Decent start to Wes Miller's career. Uh, showed us that fire that he still shows us now. We loved it. Year two, he severely underestimated what types of players it would take to win again. He brings in Kalua Zipke, and believe it or not, I think Cincinnati had some talent last year. You say, ah, oh, they would have gotten waxed in the Big 12. Net ranking-wise, it's pretty similar to what they were last year, A. B, David DeJulius was a stud. Landers Nolly is really good right now in the G League, and I quite frankly, last year for Cincinnati, he was a stud too. They had to create a lot by themselves because there was no inside play. But guess what? Wes had a chance to bring someone in. He brought in Klua Zipke. He was a dud. He brought in Rob Fennessy. Dud. Granted, he got hurt. Newman got hurt. Okay, we'll give him a pass there. Year three, we have the conference to sell. We have the new Jordan uniforms to sell. Brand new arena. These kids that are, you know, that are committing to schools nowadays They grew up to watching successful Cincinnati teams. So it's not like we're 15 years past our prime to where these kids weren't growing up seeing Cincinnati in the NCAA tournament every single season. And um, we're not good. It's as simple as that. We're not good. And next year is going to be a really telling point. But that's kind of where we stand right now, and it brings us to West Steele. Because a lot of people 
specifically Xavier fans, have made that comparison. Wes Miller, Travis Steele, great dudes that you want to win, bring in big-time recruits, show flashes, but there's just no consistency in winning games. Does that frighten you at all, that comparison? Again, Steele took over a team, Chris Mack, um, that was extremely successful. These aren't apples to apples, okay? These are two different scenarios completely. But I can see where you're like, listen, if if next year we shit the bed, that's when I'm, like I said before, that's when I'm actually worried about it. And yes, I, DeJulius, love DeJulius. God, I would love him on this roster. He would actually probably make this team a legitimate contender, you know, at least in the mix in the Big 12. Um, but no, I, I think those two things are completely different. It does worry me a little bit, just in-game adjustments that he seems to drop the ball on consistently. Um, we can't get any type of a win streak momentum going. Uh, it's got to go back to coaching a little bit. And we do need the go-to guy. We don't have one. I mean, Skillings, again, what what he finished, 4 of 12 or something from the field? That's not going to work. You need somebody that you can give the ball to in, in crunch time minutes and go get a bucket. And that could be Jizzle down the line. Uh, obviously, he had a dud tonight. He didn't play uh, great. Um, but yeah, I, I still think it's, we're heading in the right direction. I know everyone's pissed off. What last place? What? What's the right direction, dude? Like, let's call a spade a spade last place. This is a team that may finish in dead last in the big 12 in year three of Wes Miller. I mean, okay. We're heading in the right direction. Everyone. I don't think they're, they're not finishing dead last in the big 12. And you're also talking about a a conference that'll probably get eight teams in, if not nine. Okay. So we're not talking about. The American. I, I think that the roster last year would have been absolutely smoked in the Big 12. The Julius and Nolly basically had to play one-on-one every damn possession. And granted, our offense doesn't look that great now, but it's there's a different. It, it's different. This last year's team would have been annihilated in this conference. I promise you that. Okay, fair enough. Houdini making excuses. That's why he gets courtside passes and, and gets his Big J status because he's a, he's a company man. Who, who, who would have known? Houdini, the company man. But it's time to get some players in here, man, because you get four seasons in today's day and age. Chris Mack made the tournament his first year. He missed it the next, what? Uh, missed it the next three, gone. Uh, Pastner made it like the first four years because you were mentioning there's no comparison between the two. Okay. Once he got his own players in after making the tournament four straight years, he missed it a couple years. He's gone. Um, let's go with other coaches over the years. Um, aside from him, that have gone, you know, Travis Steele, he got four years, gone. You don't get much more than four years nowadays to build up your program. Yeah. So it's not that I don't believe in Wes Miller. It's just that he's running out of time. Like, it's next year, you're competing for the NCAA tournament and showing signs, or you're done. If you're, you know, 5-13 and 13 in the Big 12 next year, he's not making it to year five. This fan base won't allow it. I won't allow it. I'll come on this postgame show, and I will not allow it. Oh, no, I I agree. Next year is the – it's going to tell us everything we need to know. If we don't make the tournament, there, there's a good chance that he gets canned. Um, but right now, as we stand, I, I don't like that we're claiming we're not we're not seeing any progress. I know we just had a sh- – we just shit the bed two games in a row. But beating a BYU and a Texas Tech and having some of these big wins, you could see it's there. We The close game at Kansas on the road. I know I'm going down the moral victory path like a complete loser, but you have to admit there are signs there that we are heading in the right trajectory as far as a new coach. 
new conference, brand new, where you're playing a ranked team every damn day now, it's different. It, it's not the, if this team was in the American, I, I truly believe we would have, we would be a tournament team because we would rack off probably 26 wins and get into the tournament. But it, it's, there's no cupcakes anymore, man. It's, it's done. Hell, South Florida's going to the NCAA tournament this year, it appears. Who would have thought? They are running train in the American, the South Florida Bulls, after all those years of just atrocious basketball. This is what Houdini's saying right now, folks. Hold the course. This is what he's saying. Why all the wrong faces? We're not dead yet. Houdini says we're not dead yet. Maybe next year is what he's saying. I'm in the camp of Wes Miller starting to run out of time. One of my friends, I'm not going to name any names because he happens to be a donor and a season ticket holder up in the rafters at Fifth Third Arena. But he called me the other week, and you know who this is, Hudson. And he's like, he's steaming. I'm tired of Wes Miller. I've been a fan. I've been at Fifth Third Arena for 31 years. I used to sit in those corner seats that looked like I was the Pope waving down to the players as they were walking through the tunnel. I've been going for 31 years. Who the hell does Wes Miller think he is? This is my program. And I was like, well, buddy, uh, Wes Miller's the basketball coach. You're some fan up in 218. But um, I, I get the passion there. I understand the frustration. It could be worse, though. We could have John Brannon. And I, I will give John Cunningham so much credit for realizing the writing on the wall and getting rid of John Brannon when he did. You mentioned Bryson Spell coming in, the entire roster leaving. His last game against Houston was um, the game where they lost by about 90 points. And the players are crying on the floor, and he just walked off into the tunnel. The ESPN broadcast got him walking off in the tunnel with 25 seconds to go. This is a nuance that we don't talk about at all. But think about it. John Brandon, that second season, because the first season he had Cumberland, and granted, he benched Cumberland. Let's not think about that. Um, he literally benched Jaron Cumberland and put in Jay Sirola. He's like, hey, so, and then Sirola halfway through the year is like, ah, screw this. I'm going back to Europe. Anyway, he started Rob Banks over Tari Eason. He started Rob Banks, the walk-on from, like, England, over Tari Eason, who was, who's averaging, like, 14 in the NBA right now. It was off. All I'm going to say is John Brannon – he would have had some tomatoes thrown at him, but there were no fans that second season. We forget that. That's the nuance that didn't play in. Wes, unfortunately, may have to, you know, next year, if he's not winning games, there'll be some boos here and there because this is a passionate fan base. JB didn't have to deal with that, but um, he was the worst coach in a very long time, set this program back light years. Wes definitely has them on the upswing from what they were. But the thing is, Houdini, we don't accept NITs. And this is going to be the second straight NIT and the, the fifth straight season that the Bearcats aren't heading to the big dance. And it sucks for Wes because I do believe in him. But he's just running out of time. It's as simple as that. John Brandon, I saw him at Planet Fitness, actually. He uh, he spilled the cleaner all over one of the mats. I honestly, I, I felt bad for him. I was like, oh, God, John. What a fall from like, grace. Bad. You know, he was, he was working yeah. out at Lifetime. He's, and now he's, he's fine. at Planet Fitness. He can't even get the black card. <laughs> John, he, he's fine. He's fine. He's where, where is he working? He's working with. Uh, is he out in Dayton? Yeah, he's like a. I don't know. He's like an analyst for Dayton's team. Who's who's having a great year? He's doing all right. John Brandon's all right. Um, but to uh, a couple people in the chat are throwing it out there. Matt Booer, what a name. Booer was talking about. We've really missed the boat on transfer portal 
guys. Obviously, like Aziz and Jamil, I think they've been great. If we didn't have them, I think we'd be in a much worse spot. We were hoping for bigger things probably with Aziz after he looked like, you know, the second coming of Jason Maxiel when we played him the NIT last year. But you got to hit a home run in the portal this year. It, it has to happen. We have to get a legit stud on this roster because you can't expect Betsy as a freshman to dominate or anything like that. And and you got to wait and see what Jizzle and Skillings develop into. But we got to be better in the transfer portal because CJ Frederick, as much as I loved getting him, and it's not really Wes's fault, but the writing was on the wall. The kid's been injured all year. And we desperately need a guy that can shoot the ball. And the fact that he can't play, it's turning into a, just a, a waste of a scholarship, really, this year. And we needed it desperately. The roster construction's been bad, man. Um, I, I told you I asked Chad about Sage earlier in the year, and he's like, why are you asking about Sage? Because that's a scholarship that we could have used on someone else. And the same with Odio Guama, who is now not playing day in and day out. And you talk about those two and C.J. Frederick. There's three players that aren't contributing to your team to where you can go out in the portal try to bring in some guys that could potentially be studs, you know? I don't know how the world of recruiting works, but it's a numbers game, right? It's like sales. You go out, you, you get in front of as many people as possible, and, you know, the, the more scholarships you have, the more players you can offer, the better chances you have to land that blue-chip player. I would think that that's how it works. But um, it's going to come down to roster construction again next year. There, there's going to be some tough questions, some tough conversations in the offseason with Wes Miller. Victor Locken, after how he played again today, he's not asking for the ball. He's traveling when he gets the ball. He's not playing good defense. He's not grabbing rebounds. He's just a zero. At this point, Sage Tolentino, if he's on the bench next season, that's a fireable offense because scholarships are precious in today's day and age, and he hasn't seen a minute since, hell, I don't think he's played a minute since game number two of the season. He's probably played three minutes in two seasons as a Cincinnati Bearcat. So the roster construction the offseason is going to be huge. I believe in guys like Jizzle, Ravon, Tyler Betsy. We'll see what we get from McKinley. I think Dan Skillings is on the up and up. So you're right. There, there is some talent there. There is a, a nucleus of young players that makes you believe. And maybe, just maybe, West can survive not making the tournament next year by potential alone. But it's just going to be tough. There, there are too many fans right now that are just sick of this. I'm wearing a Reds shirt. I'm getting ready to, you know, tune in to spring training because there's nothing to talk about with the Bearcats. They're done. They're dead. It's over. We have a, a lot of potential as far as role players on this roster. You mentioned Josh Reed. I think he would be completely fine if we had a few studs around him and let him just kind of do the dirty work, rebound, because you don't want guys that are always just looking for a shot, and he certainly isn't. And that guy shoots the ball to the moon. Every time he shoots a three, I think it's going to hit the rafters. But he would be fine in a scenario where he's surrounded by a ton of talent. We have a lot of good, solid role guys. We need to grab a, a legit stud in the portal that can put up points and be your go-to guy. That's like a must going into next year. All I want, man, is an NBA-level player. And I know we've had Stevenson. Um, Cumberland's flirted with the NBA. Jacob Evans has been there here and there. Copain, I think, has gotten a few minutes for the Magic over the years. But can we just, I mean, Murray State's bringing in an NBA player. 
We got guys from, I mean, every university, it seems like, especially Power 5 University, is at least getting one guy over two decades that is a mainstay in the NBA or at least gets some minutes in the NBA. We've just gone two decades without any NBA players, and we just we weren't used to that in the 90s and 2000s. And I get it. It's a different world. But, I mean, my God, surely one of these guys, one of these guys has to be a diamond in the rough and, and turns into an NBA guy. And I miss Kilpatrick, too. Because out of all the NBA guys, you know, he's he's had some of the best stretches. Jacob I, Evans was the that, first round pick. Jacob Evans was the first round pick. He was an absolute dud in, in the NBA for the Warriors. Um, I was kind of shocked he was projected to be that. But we we had a couple guys. You had Gary play a yeah. few years in the NBA, Lance. I'm um, talking perennial, like just an NBA guy, though, that's going to be there for like 10 years to where yeah. he comes into UC and we don't have to wait for him to develop. We thought maybe we had it with Jermaine Lawrence. Boy. Were we wrong? We thought we had it with Yancey Gates. We were wrong. But, like, the one-and-done kind of guy. I mean, I guess we had Tari, but, you know, he came out of LSU to go to the NBA. So the Cats haven't had that lottery pick type guy. And it doesn't always have to be five stars. Sometimes, you know, you land with uh, Tyler Hero, who's 45th, 50th in the country, or Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's 40th, 45th in the country, and they turn into to superstars. Cincinnati, we, we haven't had many of those. And now that we're in a big conference— Major city, top 15 program, awesome arena, great fan support. Like, let's get one. Let's find a way to get one because that's all Cincinnati really needs to take this program to the next step because you're right. The supporting cast is there. I'm not – I don't want to be in the business of trying to get one-and-done players. I don't I don't think that's the recipe for UC. No, I'm just talking one guys. every These 20 are, years, please. Yeah. No, but I'm saying Wes has got – I mean, he is close to landing some of these – Matt, I mean, I, I love how we claimed uh, what was his name, Flory, the number four guy that was apparently crystal ball. Badunga, UC. Badunga. yeah, did, did, had no, literally no chance of going to UC. That was bizarre. But he he's recruiting guys that are studs. Like he he's close. I mean, he was in the final. I don't know if I've seen a thing on Twitter where it says so and so is getting looked at, and UC is not a name there. West Miller recruits literally every player. I don't know how he does it, but. He is trying to get these these studs. He he does not shy away from the top ten players in the country at all. So I, I Betsy McKinley, I think those guys are going to be good. But we do need a transfer guy to round out this roster for sure next year, especially if we're going to lose probably what Newman is probably gone. C.J. Frederick will be gone. Odie's gone. I, I would assume Sage is going to transfer, regardless of if Wes wants to keep him. He's going to transfer. He has to. He hasn't played. I mean, what are you going to do? Just sit there like a preferred walk-on your whole career? No. He's going to transfer to, like, Miami, Ohio or something. Pump the brakes, okay? Give Wes next year, and then I'll be on his ass, okay? I'm, I'm still on his ass right now. He's made some careless decisions, I'll say, as far as rotations, management, just watching the game and having a feel for the game, which is surprising because, I mean, the guys, he was a, he was a sharpshooter for UNC, man. Yeah, he knows. The I game. do love those tweets that Rothstein sends out, and he's like, "Hey, um, you know, New Mexico State point guard John Johnson is considering," and he lists off literally. It's got to be a thread. There's so many schools there. It's like three straight tweets, and it's like, dude, you're not interested in 80 schools. Like, pick five and shut the hell up. What are you doing? Flood my timeline. And Rothstein, well, what, what the... are you doing promoting that propaganda? He's heard from these schools. It's like you don't need to name all 80. Well, that's what the kids the kids do it now too, because it's like an attention grab. They'll go, I am, I'm coming. They'll be like, 
Tuesday, three o'clock Eastern. I will be letting the people know my top 40 schools. And then they'll do the next two weeks. They'll be like, we're dropping it down to the top 25 on my list. Now we're down to 15, 10, five. And then they finally pick a damn school two months later. It is ridiculous what they're doing. And Rothstein is eating it up. Uh, Victor Lockin was on a milk carton the last couple of days. He's been found, got some minutes, didn't do much with it. Let's run through the box score. I honestly, I'm always ready to go with the stats. I, I don't know stats from this one. Cincinnati shot at 41%. That's pretty good. 5 of 14 from deep. That's 35%. Not bad at all. 8 of 14 from the free throw line. 57%. That's not good. Cincinnati, 32 boards. TCU, 33. So Cincinnati, a rare moment where they lose the rebounding battle. This one to TCU. Uh, The Bearcats turned it over 17 times. That is not good. TCU on the other side shot at 44%. 9 of 22 from deep. They were 14 of 15 from the free throw line for 93%. I think that's two straight games. The opposition has gone 14 of 15. Why can't the Bearcats just get some players that can knock down 14 of 15? I don't understand it because apparently everyone else can do it. We sure as hell cannot. For Cincinnati, leading the way with 13 points and the only player in double figures, Day-Day Thomas, 13 points. Um, Jizzle James added in. Four for Cincinnati. He did not play well. Two of 11 shooting. I thought he played better than that, but apparently not. But he had four points. Jameel Reynolds had nine. Victor Locken had two. Nine points for Dan Skillings. Nine points for Seamus Lukosius. Five for John Newman. Six for Aziz Bandego. And C.J. Anthony got into the game. He did not score, nor did Oguama or Josh Reed. Uh, the two-guard lineup, the two-point guard lineup with Jizzle and Day-Day showed some flashes in the first half of working really well. Second half, nothing was working well. So we're not talking strategy. We're not talking anything else. What I want to talk about to round out the show is is Victor Locken. Has there been a bigger regression like that you've seen in Bearcats history? And I'll ask the chat room this. I know Chris McNeil was one of those guys that I think was averaging about 36 minutes per game, the first four or five games of the season. By the end, he'd get one, two minutes tops. Outside of Chris McNeil, I don't know if there's anyone else. Like, this may be one of the biggest regressions we've seen in 30 years of Bearcat basketball. Am I wrong saying that? I'm, I'm sitting there trying to trying to think of anybody that would have been similar. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking Victor Locken has been solid for the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know what his career average is. Well, he was our I'm leading scorer now. entering, like, the Kansas game. <laughs> leading scorer. It is wild. Yeah. I mean, he, we're talking about a guy, what, last year he averaged 12. He's now still averaging 10, even after these complete duds on, you know, 60% shooting last year. Uh, very solid guy to have uh, as, as your big, at least, you know, especially when you have two other bigs that can play. I, I'm trying to think, was uh, like the Titus Rubles have a fall off a little bit? Um, I know initially like I was like, this guy's a stud. And yeah, no. It, Titus Rubens was still playable and still a solid contributor, just could not shoot the ball to literally save his life in any capacity. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this is probably the biggest one that I've that we've seen at least in the last, in the in the short term for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I was going to do a little segment around the bubble. We'll throw up the bubble watch. Um, who cares about the bubble boys? And I had a I had a fun thing to play. I mean, this is what I was going with, Houdini. He's a bubble boy. A bubble boy? Yes, a bubble boy. 
What's a bubble boy? He lives in a bubble. What's a bubble boy is not the Cincinnati Bearcats, unfortunately. It's these teams. Uh, Drake in Northern Iowa, Villanova is a bubble team playing at UConn, South Carolina, Ole Miss. I think that one's over. Uh, who cares? Wake Forest beat Duke. That hurts Cincinnati. Some other ones, Utah and Colorado bubble teams. Butler, Seton Hall bubble teams. Uh, Santa Clara at Gonzaga. Gonzaga's a bubble team. And then uh, Providence going into Marquette. So at this point, who, who cares about the bubble teams? Because Cincinnati's not on the bubble. Joe Lenardi just, you know, you know he has a little mock um, – He's got a little mock chalkboard in his basement where he hangs up the teams, does it not not with a uh, dry erase marker. He does it with the actual like they do in golf where they put up the, you know, the scores on the on the scoreboard right there. And he just got his little Cincinnati panel and threw it about 15 feet to his left. We're not going to see that until next year cuz UC's 1000% off the bubble. Next up for the Bearcats, the Houston Cougars, the number 2 team in the country. You win at Houston, oh boy. and the March Madness song is probably going. Um, let's let's turn this down about as low as I can possibly turn it here. Here, it, it would be the funniest thing ever if we just went to Houston and won. And, and next thing you know, the, the whole season's turned around. We're back. We are back. I don't have to. At this point, Chuck, I'm look. I'm gonna have to start looking at. You know, when I'm bored at work, I like checking the. You know, the the bracket matrix, seeing where UC falls. And now we're so far back that I'm gonna have to start doing the the NIT bracketology. Lenardi's stepbrother who runs that that whole racket. I'm gonna have to be checking in on that now, which is just sad. Josh Lenardi. Sad. You, you gotta you, hate Josh Lenardi. Yeah, Josh. Oh yeah, what my God, dude. Figure out your own lane. Yeah, just all just an awful guy all around. Um, but yeah. Us beating Houston on the road. You asked me if there's a chance. I, I would say literally 0% chance, and I, I wouldn't mind reverse jinxing myself and somehow we pull out a victory because we've, again, we've played tough on the road a, a few games. Kansas, we had a shot, so it, it's possible, but a highly, highly doubtful. We're not on ESPN+. Plus. That is the good news. Tuesday, 7 p.m., Cincinnati takes on the Houston Cougars. Uh, Greg says this, UC fans amaze me. Playing the best conference and first year in the conference just about in every single game and turning on Wes. Simply dumb. Dude, we're a good program. That's the issue that I have. It would be one thing if we were Miami of Ohio or let's think of a different program. That, that's a little steep of a comparison. But just like a... Uh, you want to say Clemson? Clemson. If Clemson comes into the Big 12 with a third-year head coach or South Carolina... Or, you know, even Auburn, pre-Bruce Pearl, a program like that comes in, third year, whatever. But this is Cincinnati, man. It's a good basketball program. Well, Chuck, I guess literally regardless of what anyone thinks, Wes Miller will be the head basketball coach of UC next year. 7,000%. So let's, let's get on the train, fellas. Let's all work together, okay? Let's let's all come together as a unified front, okay, and just root on our guy Wes Miller. Let's hope we get a, a hell of a transfer portal haul. Betsy is a freak of nature. Let's let's look at it that way. Life's too short, okay. Life's too short to just to. Oh, it's all dread. It's all downhill. Next year, the sun is coming out, Chuck, and we're and we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be dancing in the tournament. Let's not Mark be Tennessee. Words. Yeah, let's not be Tennessee Volunteer fans who turned against Butch Jones, and Butch came to a presser one day 
and the media was asking him all these questions. Players were, you know, punching each other, and Butch is like, no, he, he fell. He tripped on a helmet, and that's how he got the black eye. And everyone's writing these articles saying Butch Jones is a liar. There's turmoil. And Butch came into a presser one day, and he said, whose side are you on here? And all the journalists are like, dude, I'm from North Dakota. I just work for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Like, I don't care about Tennessee football. And he's like, whose side are you on here? Look, Wes Miller's a smart man, good coach. I think he's going to figure it out. Unfortunately, it's my my take of the day. He is running out of time because I don't think if he misses the NCAA tournament next year by a long shot, which it's appearing he's going to miss it by a long shot this year, unless they can rally down the, the stretch of the season. I don't think he sees a fifth year, but that's for tomorrow. Houston's up next. Beat Houston. One final thought for the people before we head out. Stick with us. Stick with us. We'll we'll be bringing the, the live reactions every game, win or lose. I know Chuck threatened to shut down the entire program multiple times, um, but we're still here. And and Wes and the boys are going to show up for the rest of the year too. I think uh, I think we're going to squeak out maybe a couple wins late in the year that people aren't going to be expected. Um, nothing that I saw today or, or the last game shows any evidence of that happening. But I'm just going to think it, and hopefully it comes to fruition. So we'll we'll see you after the Houston game. So it sounds like Houdini's thinking 18 and 14, seven and 11 is the final record in the Big 12. And if that's the case, that's probably what. We expected heading into the season. So beat Houston. We'll go up from there. Stick with us. Chatterbox Bearcats with Chuck and Houdini. Thanks for joining, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Go Bearcats. 